Well, we're back. It's been a while, man. Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. Wow, you yeah. got a nice singing voice. Yeah, I didn't it's all right, despite what my girlfriend says. Yeah. Yeah. You can sing. Very, it's rough. It's rough. It's got to be the right, you know. It's got to be the right, right, right lyrics. There's, there's, there's some lyrics that are good and some yeah. aren't. Yeah, those are okay. pretty good. Nice to see you, Kane. Good to see you, man. It's been a while. You're wrapped. Wrapped filming. Yeah, we could discuss and we want to discuss the fest that you were just at. We'll oh. catch up with uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. our other co-host, I guess, whenever yeah. we... Uh, is he calling in or are we calling him? Is this the first host that we have to call Jesus him? Christ, I can't believe this. The maintenance on this. Oh, we have to do One of him. our hosts is in Michigan at his home. Yep. And uh, I think we all know, all our listeners know which one that is, of course. Yep. Let's plug him in here. Jesus Christ. Uh, most high maintenance of the hosts on this podcast. Gary? Yes. Oh, boy. Is that better? That sounds great. Yeah, great. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Oh, the emotion! <laughs> the the emotion between you two. I, I see is. why I was lured to this podcast. <laughs> hey, for, what? First of all, what? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You've done a great job. You've done a great job spearheading the the podcast since I've been gone. Well, I want to say thank you on that because I <laughs> it seems to me like you're being very sincere about that. Is that correct? Sarcastic? No, absolutely not. How oh. many? I, I I've been gone. I think I, I don't know how many weeks. How many have you done since I've left? By the way, do you know how many weeks you've been gone? I know the exact number. I know exactly when you left and when your last podcast how was. Many? Do you know this? Please tell me. When did you leave? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, your I, final episode with us Jimmy was o. Yang, in March. Right? Jimmy O. Yang. That was in March. Yeah. Ever since end of March till this episode, ratings off the fucking hook. Yeah. Sure. That's why you haven't. That's why. <laughs> that's why they still haven't asked you to do the All Things Comedy uh, Podcast Festival in Phoenix yet. <laughs> have they? Because they've announced it. Have they announced? Did they announce they asked it? You? Yeah, I saw something the other oh, day. Oh, we missed it again. Have yeah, they I asked you, Gary? Announced it yet? I don't think they've announced. I it saw yet. something the other day. They announced it. Did they Let announce me just it? Say this. They announced it. Aaron is announced to do it. it. We have a shot for 2021. I think JP Buck is booking it, so you're probably not going to get <laughs> booked on this too, Gary. I do a separate podcast on Nerdist, so that's probably where my time is going to be spent. Uh, just so you know. Good, good, and good. I will tell you this: if yes. if Josh Nasser is up at Montreal, and I didn't get invited. I think I'm ready to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> That's a true story. He's up there. I don't think he has... I don't I don't believe... I always like to play the game on Facebook now, who paid their way up on their own to get to Montreal or who was an invited guest. Right. And I try looking at pictures and seeing who has an artist lanyard. Yep. Well, you and Josh both don't have one, I guess, right? Huh? <laughs> Josh is a great dude. I love Nasser. So do I. Yeah. I love Josh. But... Yeah. But what, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Well, no. Well, uh, listen. Let's let's get to the brunch of this here. Okay, we don't. Uh, we're very excited to have. How many? How many episodes have you? How many episodes have you done since March, April, May? June, Why can't we be positive? Five What's months. Five months. How many episodes yeah. have you done? We've probably done. Let's see. Five months. Four weeks. I'll in tell a you. Month, I'll tell you because I counted. Twenty. Okay. You did eight. Less, <laughs> less than half. Less eight. than half. That that averages Why, to one every four and a half weeks. Well, You've gone that long. No. It's been that long. Hey, yeah. what? Hey, great job, most Gary. Of the sh- most of the big shows do not do shows in the summer. I'd like to think we were taking a summer hiatus. Oh, okay, <laughs> great. You well, think Ellen's working now, right now. You're in Michigan. And, yes. And what are you doing there? Not gigging. Well, I'm visiting I family. There you go. I, not I a gig, though, right? You. No gig. I saw you <laughs> on Saturday night. Had a great time. We got to work with our buddy Sal Volcano and Roy Wood Jr. over at the Balboa Theater in San Diego. So that was a blast. Great show. Yep. 
Yeah, and I got to tell you, I really, I still feel really good that I picked up your dinner that night. <laughs> Unbelievable. So it was my birthday. Yeah. We go to a nice restaurant close to the Balboa Theater, and uh, the waiter comes over. Gary and Rob come over and join us, and I'm out with uh, oh Joel Osborne. We we're having a nice yes. birthday dinner, and then Gary came in and crashed our dinner. So obviously, he and Rob ordered dinner. And then the check came, and Gary goes, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Don't worry. I got this. I'm like, don't worry. I, I ordered a Wagyu steak. They're pretty expensive. Yeah. I got it. And Gary's like, no, I got it. Trust me. And then the waiter comes over, drops the check. Gary opens it, looks at it, and literally hands it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. North, north First of, of all, north, hey, north let's of back thousand? up the story. Yeah. Let's back up the story. I was invited. You no, begged me to crashed, come over. Begged. You, 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 crashed you said, hey, listen. My, crashed my dinner. This birthday party's going downhill with Joel. Yeah, He's you and Rob, you and Rob were in line at Carl's Jr. and you decided, oh, we can go sit down. There's a wait. There's a waiter at this place that's. <laughs> you said Joel's about to pull out the Tom Cruise glasses. Is there any way that you can pick this shit up? <laughs> Shut up. We come over. Yep. We come over. Great. Rob orders a salad, probably a fifteen dollars salad. Yep. I order. I right think, to a the ravioli. carbs. Right to the carbs. I order yep. a ravioli. Yep. And I had no idea that that bill was going to be three hundred. The fact that you didn't take it immediately. That's on you. It was my birthday. You kept saying it's your birthday. It's your birthday. I got it. I got it. That's that's what. That you is kept not saying. a Wagyu beef birthday day. Anyways, no. Segundo Steve, Comedy Festival. How was it, Kim? <laughs> San Diego. Yeah, Gary. I don't know if you didn't know this. I did the uh, Segundo El Segundo Comedy Comedy Festival here. A little while. Oh, yeah. well, who needs Montreal? <laughs> Absolutely. It was. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was two nights. And what's it like uh, working with uh, Joe Bartnick? <laughs> The headliner. <laughs> great guy. Yeah. A lot of what hockey talk. Like? Yeah, that was We're, great. Uh, we know each other long. Yarmir Yager scores another hat trick. Till next time. <laughs> Thanks, Bartnick. I think he's literally, <laughs> he's literally reading headlines from Hockey News. No in depth coverage. Oh, boy. Yeah, you can't tell if it's. By the way, by yes. the way. I love Joe, but here he wakes up in the morning. He's like, "Where's the windiest spot in this city?" I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do my broadcast just from a wind from tunnel. The windiest spot, unbelievable. Is every one of those posts city. windy? Every one of those posts is windy. Yeah, they're always windy, <laughs> and it's like he lives in Los Angeles. I'm like, "Where are you finding this wind?" Yeah, yeah. he's out by the airport. He's out by the runway. Yeah, must be. That's where that wind's getting generated. So, I could do this on street level, but I'm going to go up to the 85th floor. So why the why the lack of urgency with the podcast, Gary? Why, why did you not do more? Shouldn't this be a conversation offline? Or is this... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you've been busy because Conan's added episodes, right? So yeah. Yes, busy. correct. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Well, don't forget, Patrick's also got that guy calling in. He's the third cousin's uncle over at Young Sheldon. He's available. <laughs> yes, of course. We also have Jesse Palmer. Is it Je Who's the guy? Uh, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. Carson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm and and his brother. Guy. His brother's a huge NFL analyst as well. Yeah. Yes. So him and his Let's brother. Let's get to you. We are excited you are back. Yeah. The movie. That looks is great. Done I've seen filming. the Facebook is that post. Correct? Yeah. We're done. We we wrapped filming. Yeah. Uh, correct. Last week. So we we wrapped filming. So now we're gonna go into the editing phase. And it's. Uh, I mean, you were there for day of the taping, Gary. Correct. Yeah. Yep. 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 And yep. What were your thoughts? Well, first of all, just remind people of the amazing cast that you guys had. First of all, Cedric the Entertainer, who is jumping in. On a new sitcom this fall, I don't know how you landed him considering how busy that guy's schedule is, but that was way cool. Yeah, I mean, we got a crazy cast. You know, it's three leads, so it's Jimmy O. Yang as the MC, Alex Moffat as the feature, and Cedric the Entertainer as the headliner. 
Neil Brennan as the manager of the club, Tom Segura as a cop, Russell Peters as the DJ, Brooks Whelan and Eliza Schlesinger as as the co-hosts, uh, Whitney Cummings as Brooke Bailey, who's doing a guest spot on the uh, on the Saturday show, and then you got like Kathleen Madigan and Chris Porter and. Brett Ernston, Pete Giovine, and uh, it just goes on and on and on. So many great comics. I what happened? Because I didn't get asked to do it, and I think right. there might have been a disconnect of some <laughs> sort. You, you said you had great comics, and then yeah. who was the last one you mentioned? Uh, I believe Josh Nasser. No, yep. Pete Giovine. <laughs> yeah. Josh Nasser. So. <laughs> but I mean, let me ask you something. Was there? Because I, I, I'm so curious about like the process of putting this together yeah. and listen listen i see you i'm not even bullshitting here i see as we walk in because i came down right before fourth of july and helped kind of do the audience warm-up or well, a little backdrop on what you did though you came in to do audience warm-up for our show day which we actually yes. you know we, we have background throughout the course of the film but we actually wanted to film a lot of the scenes in front of a, a live audience so we packed the bray improv and we knew it was going to be a long day. We had three shifts of different Brea locals and people that lived in the city come out. And we had, I think, like three, five, or nine or something like that. And yep. and you came and you literally did audience warm-up for 12 hours with background yes, and the actual audience. So you did, you did it for 12 hours. And everybody from Peter Billingsley to our crew, camera guys, everybody was really, really impressed with, uh, with your work. And I, it pains me to say even as a friend, that you did a phenomenal job that day. A, a great, great job. Well, here's what's interesting, what people don't know, and we'll, we'll let people in on this. You shot that movie at what is now the Bray Improv that is closed. So yes. there, was a, there was a Bray Improv. They were getting ready to close. You were then fortunate to work things out with the owners of that club and basically say, hey, can we use this for the next month while we shoot the movie? The new club was opened right up the street. So what, what we did, because we worked at the new club opening weekend, you said to the Brea community, hey, come out. We would love you guys to be part of this movie that I'm filming. So how great was it that you happened to be at the new club opening weekend? You announced that you're shooting this movie. So when we did the, your movie at the old club, it was a mix of casted people who were there, but also members of the community that were fans or wanted to be part of the movie that were just there to see how the process took shape. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, it was amazing, and and I I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Robert Hartman, who, you know, is a majority shareholder in all these improvs across the country. He, when it, when this film was starting to find financing, I, I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, th there's a thing called the thirty mile zone, which is what TMZ is named after, by the way. But the thirty mile zone, uh, for financial reasons, if you are a production of a film and you're within this radius of, I forget the cross streets in Los Angeles. You get certain benefits or tax benefits or certain write-offs and, you know, it's financially um, rewarding if you film within this 30-mile zone. And so I went online, looked up all the clubs and the Brea Improv, which is considered a road room, which this is what this movie is about, is within the 30-mile zone. It's 29.6 uh. miles within... So we're within four-tenths of a mile of it being outside the... Uh, and you got all kinds zone. of breaks from... And so we got we got lucky with it. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened with it, and and so I called up Robert Hartman and said, "Hey, the Bray Improv is within the zone. You know, could we could we possibly shoot there?" And and, and then what you do is you do uh, uh, night for day or whatever, and you're filming. Your hours are all off. But he, thank God, he said, "Hey, look, we're actually moving the club next door. 
here's what I can offer to you. And that's kind of what dictated our schedule. Once we found out we can film there in July, that's when everything kind of started to coalesce. And it's like, all right, we got a window of time. We have July. Let's start casting. Let's get the financing. Everything's starting to happen. And that's, that was kind of the impetus for it all really to start rolling. Yeah, because you guys could have never used a real comedy club just based yeah. on the time constraints. There it's, was no way. Yeah, they talked about doing on a soundstage, building it, uh, which I thought every time those stand-up films do that, it always feels fake. It doesn't feel real. So for this to actually have coalesced and, and, and came to fruition, it was like, oh, my God, it's actually a road room. So you're, you're not going to cheat that. You're not going to lie about it. And there's an authenticity to it, I think, in in terms of when you see it. So I think even even the day you, you were there, Gary, the lighting was, I think sometimes they overly light the crowd, which to me, it just, yeah. it always seems like, oh, it's a fake club. It, or yeah. No club looks like that. But we, we made sure to get all these little nuances correct throughout the course of the film. And the day that Gary was there... Uh, for 12 hours, we shot three different nights or four different nights, our Thursday night or Friday night, Saturday, Sunday night in the script. So there were a lot of wardrobe changes throughout the course of the film. But uh, Gary, again, great job that day. Awesome, awesome job. Well, I got to tell you, it was funny because there was a point where you guys filmed everything from the audience to the stage. So it was from the audience's point of view. And then we probably had maybe a 45 minute or so stop down. That was towards the end of the day, which is when you jumped up on stage and you started doing jokes and they were setting up that shot from the stage going back to the crowd. And I remember getting up on that stage and looking at it. I was like, oh, my God, this looks so odd. Like just the view of it was something I'd never seen before. And you're like, it, obviously, who was the, the the lighting guy? I can't remember who was there was a, the, the guy that you always gave shout outs to who was just absolutely amazing at what he did. The DP was just oh, yeah. Eric Edwards was our director of photography. So he did a lot of Gus Van Sant's early films. He did Knocked Up. He did uh, Couples Retreat. Uh, he's done a ton, a ton of, uh, of incredible films. And the fact that he did this almost like for us uh, is almost like a favor. But once he was on board, he was phenomenal. And, I, and the aesthetics of this, once you see what's encapsulated on the screen, I think it really rings true to the world of comedy. When did you wrap? And, and what's, the first, what's the turnaround time on a first edit? We wrapped Thursday. And we have 12 weeks, basically, okay. to edit it. And then from there, we'll see what life it it takes on. It could go to, you know, a, a, an online platform or we could go the festival route or acquisition via, you know, a, a major um, network or, you know, like a cable yeah. network. Uh, so we'll see. But I think that given what we're hearing back, everything seems positive in terms of people that have done this uh, quite a bit from our DP to our editor. So I think, uh, I think it's maybe turning out better than, <laughs> than wow. we had anticipated, you know? And, and just kind of a little backstory, because I know that you talked about this before you left in March, which was four episodes ago. Um, just to get a little backstory, the movie is Jimmy O. Yang. Obviously, he's a brand new comic. The idea is he's got this great nine-to-five job. He's working. He's got a girlfriend, but he really wants to pursue stand-up. And the idea is he's getting this offer to work at this club going away for the weekend and working with one of his comedic idols, which is Cedric the Entertainer. But his girlfriend says, no, she wants him to go to a wedding with her. Is that correct? No, no, no. Um, I mean, a lot of the beats are right. So so he's got this great supportive girlfriend and they were supposed to yes. go on a trip and um, and he's he's encouraged to go and he goes. And so the first half of the film is is him taking kind of like this leap of faith um, in seeing if he can do this. And I think every comic 
was given that decision, that fork in the road where you could play it safe, you could go nine to five, you could do what society deems, you know, this is this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get a good job and, and lock it down with a girl and get married and uh, go on with your life. And he's wondering if if his life in that cubicle is ultimately what he should be pursuing or, or if he should be pursuing his passion. So the first half of the film is all the romanticism and optimism and partying of hanging out with the feature act who is played by Alex Moffat, who does a great job. And Alex was on Saturday Night Live. And then the back half of the film is all the sobriety and isolation and solitude of hanging out with a road-worn headliner that's played by Cedric. And Cedric had a very, in, in the script, he had a very popular sitcom in the 90s and early 2000s called Oh That Billy. And um, every time something disastrous would happen in the sitcom, the audience would go, oh, Billy. And he'd turn around and make this like, oh, God, did I do that face? It. Sure. And it was one of those things that's that's scripted like, oh, that Billy. And the Dino audience Mike. says it. And then, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then Cedric just improv it all the day of that we did it, uh, that day that you were there, Gary. And he just, he knew exactly what it should be and absolutely nails it. Absolutely nails it. It was, it was great. Gary, were you, did you set records that day in terms of longest warm-up? Longest warm-up? Yeah. I mean, uh, did the was, improv pretty, thank you? Was there was there any? It was pretty. It was a pretty long day, but I will say the great thing was it was a fun day. I mean, there was yeah. just so many other comics that were hanging out and just bringing up like guys that were in the movie to come up on stage, like Butch Bradley and Joel Osborne, and you know Steve Nosis from when I did Sullivan and Son, and the tapings would go long, and these guys would come up and try to do jokes or do stand up to kind of help me out and it wouldn't connect as quickly just because this was a, a new face to the audience. So Steve knows this from when I did Sullivan's son, these guys would come up and try to help me. They wouldn't really do all that well doing stand up. Right. So the minute they would leave the stage, I would just start dumping on them. Sure. <laughs> and I, I was just making fun of Butch Bradley's show in Vegas and Joel and everybody. And these guys are truly legitimately coming up trying to help me burn time. And guys just <laughs> shitting on them. Yeah, that's perfect. Shitting on them. That's perfect. <laughs> But there was also a great moment where Steve went up there and started doing monologue jokes, and one of the paid extras, I remember this clear as day, went over to you and handed you a note. <laughs> yeah. She gave me tags for my joke. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Who, was she, is she a comic? Is she, she's not a comic or writer no. in any capacity, huh? No, I don't believe so. Oh, the entitlement no, of the so, American. So she must be up in Montreal. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> With an artist laminate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh. good, 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 good. But 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 it's it's one of those things like when I walked in and see you like wearing this hat of like 80 different people that needed to be working. It had to be I saw it as being overwhelming. I mean, I can only imagine like what it was like for you being that first time director. Well, that day in particular was really tough because we had the audience there and we wanted to be respectful of them in three hour shifts, you know. Um, So that was that was that was a crazy day. Just getting all the camera angles right and getting everything staged and blocked to shoot in an, in an expeditious manner before we had to get rid of them uh, and move into the to the next crowd. So it was it was a crazy day. That was that was And all three of these these, shopping, these three acts they're kind of your perspective at all three stages of your career or or Yeah, in, in a lot of ways yeah. I was when I was writing this I was on the road and I was just kind of like I had just filmed my hour and I was still like the creative juices were going. So I had to, um, I was just like, I want to write something. And so yeah. I, I, I decided, well, I'll, I'll just write about my earliest in stand-up. And all the stand-up films, stand-up always takes a back seat 
to the film. And I thought, why can't stand-up be the drive? Why can't stand-up be the goal? Because um, Sleepwalk with me, I love it. Yeah. And Berbiglia did a great job with that film. But it was like, it's about condition and the relationship and the pursuit of stand-up. But I thought, you know, I, I, I just wanted to do one straight through just about stand-up. So... So I just wrote it, and I talked about all all the thoughts I had in my early years, and then all three of those characters are are granular bits or pieces of me. You know, I was Will in in the yeah. film. I was Chris, yeah. and I was uh, I I am. There, there's bouts where I feel like uh, Billy G in the Billie film, G, where yeah. you're just kind of over it, and you're just there, and you're packed in the suitcase. You just want to get your weekend over with, and you know, you just you don't really talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, so, so all three of those are, are part of me, but, but also I, I never seen a standup film where all three echelons are represented within a film. Yeah. And when you're professionally doing standup, you are either a MC, you are either a feature or you are either a headliner and it's those three. And I think this film really does peel back the curtain in all three of those different, uh, echelons. And you were saying too, Steve, which is crazy. And I, I was really surprised by this of all the comics that you had there which were a lot I mean, Cummings, yeah, Roy, Roy Wood and, and, and all and, these people and Bill Burr you yeah. said nobody had an attitude nobody no. and everybody worked for scale everybody came in and yeah exactly that and everybody did a great job there were no egos on it I, I think you know all the comics got it you know they they understood the story even Russell and and Ken uh, Jung and Ken and all these great comics they all like like Ken for example he's his character is very pivotal and I don't want to give too much away you know also I'll be cryptic with this stuff but but Ken said this is a conversation I've had with myself this is a conversation I've had with comics and comics have had with me and he I I, I was like I couldn't think of a better person to do this because he was a doctor and he made the transition to be be a comic so I think all comics in some way or another, shape or form, knew exactly what the drive or intention of that particular scene was. Um, so they just, they just all came in and just did a bang-up job. There was never any complaining or anything. It was, it was, it was really, uh, that to me was probably the most surprising aspect. You, you were just wondering, oh my God, is there going to be some, some ego at some point throughout the course of the filming? But never, never. Everybody was awesome. But it's interesting because at some point when you first load into the Brea Improv with all that equipment, which goes from the the stage to the back of the room, at some point that first day and you're looking at how much you have to film in X amount of days, are you like, as a director, you're like, there's no way this is getting done? No, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I think when you see all the equipment coming in, that's when it's like, oh, God, this is really happening. That that was the scariest thing to me. Trailers in the back. It's, that was crazy. Yeah, all, all that. And and then just seeing Cedric and Alex and Jimmy there on a daily basis and all of them just doing a great job. And, you know, like, like I said this a handful of occasions with other people, but like Alex, I had never met him before, but I loved his work on SNL. And I'd seen him in this film called Uncle John, who was really grounded. And he came in and he played the feature act, Chris, who's there to party over the course of the weekend and hook up. And it could easily turn into a caricature in someone else's hands. But Alex brought a real sincere warmth to that character. And he was just a lot more supportive of Jimmy in his action than what was written. 
And to see his interpretation, I was like, wow, this is really great. So we actually had to soften his character at the end to give him a nice button so so there's something uh, redemptive in, in the story for him because he, in the original script, he just kind of disappears uh, and he's somewhat selfish, but he played it such a different way that it was like, you like him so much, we got we to gotta do something where he just doesn't disappear. And that, you know, th- those are like little things throughout the course of the film that when it's put in someone's hands, in the actor's hands, it becomes a life of its own. And that was that was really fun to see everybody's interpretation. But the thing that was scary to me was you have these table reads and certain scenes would really read well. But then you're like, visually, is it going to still play? Because we're all here to, you know, visualize it in our own heads. But, but then when we're filming certain scenes, uh, a trailer park scene, a, a bachelorette party scene, and, and you see these things take on a life of its own. And then you're seeing the footage and you're seeing the the dailies or whatever. And, and you're you're seeing how it can be pieced together. And the reaction from everybody sitting in Video Village, you're like, wow, this is going to be fucking great. And and some of them, I think, played better visually than the table read. And the table read, it did great. So I'm, I, there's a real excitement for me to see how this all kind of kind of yeah. flushes out. That is a thrill. Did, did, Gary, wins, you always- is, Gary, is your movie in production or is that... We're waiting. Okay, I just okay. have to find a house in Chatsworth. Okay. But once I have it, it'll be ready to go. Um, by the way, were those, were those three guys, Jimmy, Alex, and Cedric, always the people you had to play those three? Or like in your mind, or did you have other people in mind? Or were those well, always your three go-tos? I mean, you have a list of, of people uh, you go out to. And then the financier and the producers, everybody has their, their interpretations or ideas. of, And then it just comes down to... Having conversations, and then you're checking on availability and all those things. But I, I, you know, I will say, with Jimmy and Alex and Cedric, especially, they're they're the anchor to the film. Each one of them, uh, you know, on multiple occasions, while we're watching them literally film scenes, Peter and I would remark with each other, like, "Wow, we got we got so lucky, we got so lucky," because it's always a crapshoot. You just don't know. You just don't know how it's how it's ultimately going to turn out. But I think it's I think you caught you caught Jimmy at a great time. And he's a, yeah. he's a vulnerable, funny guy. Like he's not just a like Woody smartass. He's lovable. He's yeah. got the um, he's very rootable. Yeah, he's got a doe-eyed innocence yeah. about him that uh, that really really plays well on camera. He he just does such a bang up job. And I, I think the one thing I'm I'm preparing myself for, and maybe you guys will have an opinion on this, is is I wonder if there's going to be a certain backlash from you know, maybe more liberal leaning outlets like Huffington Post or, you know, certain, certain, you know, entertainment sites that they're like, oh, here we go. Here's a film about a stand-up comic. And there's very few female comics represented in this film. And I, th- I keep wondering if that's going to be a wave that's going to hit me. But, but it's also like, look, I wrote it from my perspective. Yeah. I wrote it from my, from my experiences. And I, I work, I, 90% of the time I'm on the road, I work with other guys. So I, I, I can't like, I, I feel like I would be lying or making things up or like placating somebody's um, emotions or feelings. But I was like, I, I, I can't write that way. I've got to write from my own perspective. But I, I just wonder when I look at the MC feature and headliner, if, if that's going to be something I'm, I'm going to have well, to. Well, I mean, what the reality of stand-up, it's not sketch or, or 
theater, drama, acting. It's mm-hmm. it's stand up, and I think what 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 are the numbers in stand up? Is it three guys to every girl? Maybe I mean I I don't know. I don't know. Does somebody do that? I, I can't. I don't know how you'd measure it. Uh, yeah, you'd measure by headliners or clubs or uh, open mic. I, I don't know how you'd measure it, but I think the yeah. reality is that that might be a real number. Uh, three guys for every girl. It sounds about right if you yeah. look at the lineup at the Improv, the Comedy Store, and it's not like it's not like male comics are doing that on purpose. Right. It's just this is just the way it is. I yeah. guess it, it's just the metrics. It, um, yeah, it doesn't really. I mean, doing the road doesn't really isn't maybe reinforce a, a woman. You know, like a guy yeah. goes out on the road, maybe meets people after shows, does this thing, hunter gatherer type mentality, and, and it's not always yeah. an attractive lifestyle or career choice for a female performer. She might lean True. towards you know. I'm hoping that people, anybody that might somewhat feel that, you know, that it just like, it, it, you really got to go to the heart of the story. And the, this, the heart of the story is pursuing your bliss and, and mm-hmm. finding your passion life and going after it, as opposed to this being, you know, some social movement film where it's like more women should be. It's like, I, I just, yeah, I don't sh- have You should have had a section like of people in the audience that are just tweeting during all the sets or just something like, <laughs> yeah. here's, here's yeah. you know, you guys can comment on how we're shooting this or what, whatever. See, by the way, what was like the biggest surprise or something that you weren't expecting as a first time director? What did you, what did you find? I didn't expect it. Look, I knew it'd be a lot of work. And from everybody I talked to, they were was like, you, you're going to be shocked at how much, how much effort and time consumption goes into this and, and care and attention. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, you could hear about it. I've read a lot of books. I've taken those master classes online with Ron Howard and Scorsese and Werner Herzog. And, you know, I, I felt like, okay, I'm pretty prepared for this. And then you do it and you're just like, there's no way you can be prepared for it. It is... Absolutely overwhelming. And one of my good friends told me beforehand, you've got to care more than anybody on that set. You've got to care more than anybody about the wardrobe or the sconce in the background or the framing or the lighting and the perform everything. It's the totality of all these elements that that are encapsulated within that that screen and that time frame. And they were like, you've got to care about everything, everything. And I went into it thinking, okay, I got to care, I got to care. And over the course of filming all these months, I will say I I thought I cared the most on set, but working with Vince Vaughn, working with Peter Billingsley, that were our executive producers, I can absolutely wholeheartedly say, and this is not blowing smoke anybody's ass, this isn't kissing anybody's ass, it is literally a fact, it is a truth, that those guys cared more than anybody I could want as a partner and they were phenomenal to work with and I learned so much and I think that the film is going to be that much better for it. Um, so that w- that was my biggest lesson over the course of filming. And, and you also have to worry too, I mean, I know that you're still in the process of getting this part done, but I mean, you also have to worry about coming in under budget, correct? That's a big concern, yeah. And that's something I think Peter Billingsley perhaps shielded me from. But look, you got to make your day. And that is definitely every day... You, you start, you just turn the hourglass over, you watch the sound, sand going, and you know you got 8 to 10 to 12 pages to film a day. And what we did was we worked 12-hour days. We did anywhere from 8 to 12 pages a day. And I just accepted that as the norm. But as I got on, gone along and towards the end, you know, people on the crew were like, you know, this is definitely not the norm. And so oh, I, wow. was, I was shocked to know that there is a slower pace, but I thought, oh, okay, this is just how it's done. But really, it's a testament to the crew and the cast, the cast for being off off book, knowing their lines, 
easily working with the blocking and then working with with the crew, which is lighting and cameras and just just getting that master shot in first and then flipping cameras and lights to the other actors on the other side. It, it, it really is. We worked with a run and gun type of team. It, it was it, that to me was so impressive to see from from my perspective, just the cast and the crew and and, and Eric Edwards, the, our director of photography, yeah. just made it look phenomenal. And and his crew and Billy and Chris and these guys in lighting, they were absolutely just on the mark. And I think they were d- probably doing two hours of work in 30 minutes. Yeah. Did your kids get to come on set and see the action? Kids came by. Yeah. They could care less. They could care less. You know, right? they're, yeah. they're six and almost three, and yeah. they're just kind of like, oh, this is cool. No idea. No so idea. I think in yeah. a few years, maybe. Well, it's no different than, than coming to a regular stand-up show for them, probably seeing you on stage and doing all that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, cool. Daddy's doing crazy, fun, weird <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so, but, so good, what yeah. is next? The editing process is next. And by the way, <clears throat> the, the, funniest, the funniest thing that I saw, you guys wrapped, I think, last Thursday, and then I see... Friday night, there's Burn back at the goddamn comedy store. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I'm like, does this guy sleep? Yeah. <laughs> Go right back to it. It's like you know, you could you could think that you could rest on your laurels. Oh, I got a movie coming out. I, yeah. I wrote and directed. Right. It's like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You still got to keep the lights on. Cal Rivkin keeps the lights on. Cal Rivkin, baby. So, so next step, next process, editing the whole thing. You have a couple of weeks to do that. Yeah, and, and Whitney Cummings, who directed a, a great uh, comedy called The Female Brain that came out recently that she did with Neil Brennan, she gave me a great piece of advice, and she said somebody told me this, and I had read this a few times, but it's it's something that I think is very true. There's the there's the film you intend, there's the film you write, right, and then there's the film that you literally film. And there's the film you edit. And all three are very, very distinct and different in terms of the process. So, um, you know, I, I know that each one of those was, you know, you write it and you're thinking, okay, this is good. You, you, the table reader does really well. And there's ebbs and flows. And this is what it'll look like visually. Yeah. You don't know. And then you go and film it. You're like, oh, God, we're, we're under the gun here. I hope we can get all the footage here. And there's things. It, it's like, okay, there's a trailer park scene. It's like, all right, well, how do you see it? It's like, well... You know, when you're writing it, you see it a certain way, but it's different when you got to film it. It's like, okay, well, how do you film this now? And that to me was was the scary process in terms of sitting down with Eric, sitting down with Peter and literally visualizing what what is the best way to do this. And also, what is the best way to do this visually in six hours or four hours, however long you have to film the scene. So... So it's uh, it, it's been a great experience. And I, I know for a fact we'll have a lot of the great comics that we had in the film uh, join us as we're leading up to it. But right now we are in, in starting the editing process. So I'll, I'll literally go and see the, the uh, first like semblance of a cut uh, tomorrow and then go from there. And it's going to take 12 weeks and we'll see what happens. But it's it's very exciting. Very exciting. And, and, and I know that you mentioned some places where it would land or could land. Where would you want it to land, ideally, you personally? I ultimately, I, I don't care where it lands as long as people see it. Because I think it's, I, I think it really is the one film that I've wanted to see as a stand-up where it's like that's a true representation of not only what it's like to be on the road, what it's like to be a working comic, but what it's like to be an MC, a feature, and a headliner. Ultimately, I really feel that that's, I feel like this film really, if we can thread the needle properly in the edit, because we have the raw materials, um, that we're providing the editor, so I, I think that's that's going to be the tough part. But uh, but again, I, I just I just want it to be seen by comedy fans. I'm- and 
after this another movie or hopefully well he was talking ready for your- when we were off air he was talking about some vehicle for steve harvey because he's got cedric the entertainer covered <laughs> i know that he loves and get through all kinds of comedy yeah all the yeah. comedy uh, ultimately is what I want to what I want to do. So yeah, I, I don't know. Way, I mean, yeah. W- what's happening with the? Because uh, obviously this took so much time up. You were getting ready to work on the fifth hour. Is that what's happening with that? Yeah, the fifth hour. I'm um, getting back on the road, getting reacquainted with it. So we showcased it. Just waiting to hear back from uh, the answers of a platform. But I think, look, I think this film ultimately will help land wherever the hour goes in the amazing Jonathan Doc, which. You know, we're still in the back half of the festival season for us where we submitted. So, um, you know, we're going to see where that lands, too. So a lot of irons in the fire, but really, really excited about the the Jonathan Doc and especially this film and the new hour. I think all those things uh, this next year, if they can come to fruition and end up on good platforms, uh, it'd be it'd be a great year. Well, I don't mean to overshadow any of this good stuff, but I'm going to be at Flappers in Claremont uh, end of October on a Tuesday. So nice. Is that, you know, that sounds right. That Red sounds about Halloween. Right. Yeah. yeah, you, you could shove that movie up your ass. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Well, that's great, that's Gary. What I have going on. That's great. But how are things well, in Michigan? Uh, they're great. I left after our shows on Saturday night, and I'm here with the family. We yep. rented a little uh, house on the lake. It's fantastic. Oh, it's great. It's sounds perfect. Wonderful. Absolutely yeah. love it. And Absolutely are you getting a lot of writing done? Yeah, this is a good place to just kind of decompress. You know what I'm saying? Just like watch. Here's what I love about coming to a new city. I like to watch Steve Wilkos in a new area code. That's what I do. <laughs> now, That's you my- were you were at Comic-Con with Conan yes. uh, this past week. And Correct. tell us a little. This is the fifth year Conan's been at Comic-Con? Fourth. Fourth year. Okay. Yes. Yes. And, and the audiences are just crazy, rabid for it, right? 1,500 rabid fans that have waited overnight to get in. It's crazy. And the big thing is the figures that they give out. Well, people go, they they love... Here's the, the crazy thing about this, and I don't know if you've ever been to Comic-Con, but people wait in line, line, line to go in and see these different speaker series in Hall H or whatever that is. And they have to go and they wait, and it's wait, wait, wait. I will say the one thing great about Conan is once you get in, you're going to get the pop tour. You're going to see Conan. You're going to see a great group of guests from an upcoming movie, and you eliminate kind of all that BS if you were to go to Comic-Con. I mean people obviously love it. So it's kind of a a three-series win in a sense that people get a lot out of it, and it's just – in terms of doing the warm-up on it compared to other shows or doing it in Burbank where it's only 200 people, it's it's – pretty electric it's pretty crazy but, but you'll the, have the like is- you'll have like the aquaman cast right on yes. the show and so yes. these people will wait in line for hours to go in to see first time footage of of the film and then be interviewed by some representative from yes. like collider or something right and right. they go and do that and that's kind of fun but with conan you get the same thing you get the cast but you get a really entertaining interview as opposed to a long-winded more intricate interview because Conan's interview is going to be what 15 minutes or something yeah and I will tell you knowing people that have gone to Comic-Con it can get ugly I mean somebody accuses another guy of cutting and there's all this weirdness I mean it's it's this weird kind of energy amongst nerds trying to just cut the line and I was here first and I mean it's it's interesting if you look at the website for Comic-Con I didn't even know this but like Mark Sandrowski's down there leading a panel of writers for Big Bang Theory, Jim Lee's down there, our friend Jim Lee. Like, there's a million things going on down there. And what I didn't realize is 
the hotel we stayed at was close to the Spreckles Theater where we taped the show. And I'm like, this is very calm. Like, you can't even tell Comic-Con's going on. It's very calm. And then you walk four blocks towards the water, t- towards the convention center, and it is just Vegas for nerds. It is yeah. just so crazy to see all these people decked out in costume and just this craziness. But you would never have seen that from where we were. But, you know, people – wait in line i guess when those tickets go on sale for comic-con they sell out in 10 minutes it's it's something i've never experienced before now what is the difference between doing just the normal everyday warm-up at conan on the warner brothers lot and then doing doing this one well you can't when you're doing it in that big theater you're doing more kind of over-the-top hyping i mean when you're at conan and it's more intimate in Burbank. You can kind of goof around with the audience. You can be more playful. You can single out two or three people and goof with them and make them kind of the butt of the joke for the 15 minutes that you're doing. But when you're at such a big venue like that, it's more just grandstand cheerleading on a bigger stage. You can't like zoom in on somebody. It's more just over the top, losing your voice kind of hype band. That's kind of what it is. So you, you don't have that intimacy that you do with 200 people. It's it's very over the top. It's crazy. And who was your favorite um, episode this week or this past week at Comic Con? The Conan film. Uh, uh, I got probably when we did Breaking Bad. Even though that's an older show, they were still I think celebrating ten years. Yeah, the from reunion, when they premiered. Right? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. So they were on. They were like, the, whenever you can get an entire cast, and here's what's even crazier, you can get them there on time. I mean, the show's starting at four thirty. To think that. Eight different celebrities, all with egos, are going to be there right on time is beyond me. I'm That's thinking, why the Sullivan Son reunion has never happened on Conan, because we just couldn't <laughs> get all nine of us <laughs> to the stage at the same time. Yeah, you're right. Well, in fairness, they tried to contact a lot of the cast members, but nobody has cell phones. Steve, are you there? <laughs> that joke bombed, Gary. Jesus, that was That fucking, was a good one. That was garbage. Jeez. Hey, speaking of which, I saw you in front of the stage 10 placard at warner brothers which was very cool yeah it's nice to know that you you know uh, again like you go back to the roots of that uh, of the opening act the film where it's just like you you pack your suitcase you move to los los angeles or new york in the hopes of of you know being a comic and then anything i think after being a comic is gravy and you know to write a show and know that you know, especially when you go to see like a Warner Brothers film and they do that kind of cool scroll where they show all the sound stages and they and they pull out to know that our little f- show is encapsulated and enshrined there uh, as part of stage 10 for years to come is I don't know. I, 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 I that's something I I never would have thought I, I would have, you know, been a part of or something. But had you not seen that before? See I'd seen it before, but uh, I don't oh. think I had. I, I took a picture a while ago, but I, I was there, so I just took one. Yeah. And, and by the way, just to defend you, I know that you were saying that there have been times where you go on the road, kind of like Cedric's character, and you're going through the motions. You don't want to be there. You're in kind of a pissy mood. Patrick and I have never seen that. So um, I just go. want to let you know we've never seen that side of go. you. Schaumburg Improv. We've we never go. seen that side oh, of you. So yeah. whenever we tra- <laughs> whenever we, go. we travel, yep. it's all. Fun I loved. I loved you feeding into it and calling him, knowing he was busy, saying, um, "I'm hungry. I want to go to lunch. Deep dish. Deep <laughs> yeah, that's dish. what. That's how Gary communicates. I'm hungry. Feed me. Dinner. Me hungry. Me hungry. Yeah, me hungry. And then me I hungry. see that Steve ordered 180 dollars Wagyu beef, and I put the bill right down. Yeah. Uh, Keen, how was the Gundo Comedy Festival? Really good. Two nighter. I was only there for one night. 
And it was at one uh, bar. I don't even know the name of it, but a nice eight-minute set, and I got a T-shirt. So uh, <laughs> it's good. Also, good. Yeah. I'll tell you, housing prices have increased. So if you bought there 15 years ago, you're looking good. Um, That's a cool area. It was nice. Dave, cool Dave, Dave, William, Dave Williamson put it on. It was a good time. Now where was the, where yeah, was the where was the festival at? What was in it? Was some uh, it was a dive bar there in El Segundo. I don't know the yeah. name of it, but God, they could use the plug probably. But uh, it was a good time. Light As- blue T-shirt. Um, <laughs> size was too small, but I just you know I need it. I need That's it. great. But it was good. It's you know near the airport, near the ocean there, Pershing Road. You know that road that goes between the airport and the ocean. You can cruise it. And, there you go. Uh, the career's really it's Steve. It's it's just blossoming. Things are good. Yep. Things are good. <laughs> So it's good. Gary, did you, you know Dave in that festival that went down? The El Segundo? And they call it the Gundo? Gary? Okay. No, I did not know uh, that. <laughs> it, it was magic, and uh, it's good to see everybody. It's good to see you guys. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well. I'm happy we're all back. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Feels good. Feels right. I like it. Steve, can we expect you on more of these as the weeks come up? I know that you're busy with editing. but Yeah, uh, I'll come in when I can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I know there's an author I asked you to reach out for. Yes, I certainly great did to get. Um, I would definitely yep. try to work my schedule around that, but, but yeah, we'd love to get back on the horse with you guys and, and do some more, uh, of these, of these episodes. But I will say I have been checking on you guys. The episodes have been doing really well numbers wise. So nice work, Gary. I don't know what you're doing. Thank probably you. nothing. But it's Thank probably you. just some weird algorithm where people are starting to listen now. <laughs> or maybe it's my absence. I don't know. Maybe that could be it too. <laughs> So could that be a combination. Could be a combination of all those things. But uh, when when you back, Gary? Tuesday. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm excited to have you back, Steve. As much as we can have you. Congratulations on filming the movie, getting that wrapped up. Now the editing process comes, but we're all excited about the opening act. Big crew, big cast list lined up. Cedric the Entertainer, who's actually, like I said, he's doing a new show on CBS this fall called The Neighborhood. He gave so you, you the nicest right compliment, there. by the way. We were You took off with Rob, and yep. uh, we all hung out, ended up hanging out because it was Cedric's last night, and we ended up hanging out in front of his trailer, and we all were just drinking, and he gave you an immense compliment. He said, not only were you hilarious, but the fact that you did that as long as you did, he was just kind of blown away. And he, he was genuinely laughing at your stuff too. And I sent you a few great pictures of you guys on stage. Yeah. Uh, if you want to post those at some point, but uh, yeah, coming from somebody like that's very, very cool. But you know, it's again, it's those, it's those moments in comedy where you always want more. And then you get those little moments like that where you're like, Oh wow, everything corrects itself. So that meant a lot to me. He was great. Um, well, thank you gentlemen so much for yeah. being patient with me in my absence. I really look forward to getting back with you guys and getting some great episodes and we'll have all these cast members, uh, as we get oh, closer to the, to the film coming out. Um, and there's so many great stories and so many great revealing moments that I'd like to get into more about the film right now. As you can tell, I'm just fucking zapped. I'm absolutely exhausted. Well, I still feel like I have ahead of most, humans so good job, <laughs> yeah, i don't think so, i've yeah. i've officially caught up on my sleep yet but i appreciate you guys uh carrying the baton in my in my absence and looking forward to getting back to work with you guys and and getting these comics on it'll be great it'll be great our, our listeners will be very excited to hear you again steve and it pains me to say that here we go as much as it pains you to here we go me. all right thank you boys i miss you Thank you, Gary, for calling in from Michigan. Right. I know you're taking time from your immense writing schedule. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, Patrick. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, boys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hang up. Good God. Doesn't no, that's Gary up. Cannon, isn't it? What's that? Uh, Gary Cannon? 
Gary, yeah, I think Canon. Three ends. Comedy. Oh. Canon comedy, whatever. Uh, Keenan. Yes, Keenan. sir. Why did I say Keenan? Uh, Mike Keenan, the old coach at the NHL. That's him. Um, won two Stanley Cups. Uh, Keen, always great seeing you, buddy. Yeah, likewise, brother. And we'll be hitting the road again soon. Cool. Right? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, um, have you been in touch with my agent to get the dates? No, but I'll uh, I'll hit them up yeah. over there. Yeah. So up. we'll be hitting the road. I'll be in Tampa next weekend. I got San Francisco, DC coming up, Grand Rapids, Michigan, a bunch of other dates. You go to Steve Byrne Live. Dot com and all the social media is Steve Byrne Live. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. How about you, Keen? Uh, at Citizen Keen and Keen of Comedy on YouTube. There you go. And Cannon is at Cannon Comedy and GaryCannon.com. Uh, I think for, you know, well, he's at Conan. He doesn't go anywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. He's, or he's at Flappers. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be hitting the road together, all three of us, uh, in certain markets. But we really look forward to uh, get more great episodes out to you guys. And thank you guys for listening. We are the Gentleman's Dojo. Anything else we're supposed to say? I, I, it's been a while. I forget. Uh, yeah, no, you're good. For now, we're uh, we're solid. We got everything in. Oh, you got to follow us on Twitter. There is actually Except a that. a uh, Gentleman's Dojo account, right? Yeah, we have a Twitter, and I think there's an Instagram. Is there not? I think there's two of them, yeah. I don't know. Just go to Gentleman's. Just keyword Gentleman's Dojo. You'll find us and follow us. Uh, all updates on all the shows and everything. So uh, that's it for now. Uh, we'll talk more of the opening act in the coming months as we lead to its premiere. But uh, thank when, you guys When so would much. that premiere be? Like November or the turn of the year, probably? I don't know. Yeah, you don't, don't know. No we'll idea. see, okay. yeah. Cool. But uh, Keen, always good seeing you. Yeah, likewise, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Gentleman's Dojo.